Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Q&A special that coincides with the closing of the transfer window in La Liga. You can all breathe out. Um, you heard Graham Hunter, who joins us along with Pete Jensen of La Liga Television. Um, guys, I don't know what kind of a transfer window we were expecting, but that was a little bit bonkers. Uh, oh, before we begin, we have three new socios to welcome since last we spoke. Jamie Martin, hello. Gavin O'Anon, which I don't think is your real name. I think you don't really want to tell us your second real name, which is fine. Gavin, hello. And Kevin White in Australia. Kevin White's my cousin. Hello, Kevin. Hell of a football player. We asked um, our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter for questions for this Q&A, as we always do. And I have to say that for the first time, the sort of first tranche of questions were all on one single subject. So... For the first part of today's Q&A, we've decided to focus purely on one of the most interesting deals of, of this or any transfer window, which is the loan move of Antoine Griezmann from Barcelona to Atleti. So let's get going with one from Socio Robert Ryan, who says, How significant is Griezmann as a transfer to the outgoing and incoming clubs? And before we get to that, I'll add on what Robert says, which is... I once described the signing, signing of Griezmann by Barcelona as onion rings, as I often get as a side at a restaurant. They're excellent, but maybe weren't quite <laughs> needed as such. Let's begin with Atleti, because I think we'll get on to plenty of Barca in a minute. Pete Jensen, what does this tell us about the position that Atleti are in at the moment? It tells us they want to win the Champions League. Um, and when you're... You know, you're in a semi-final or a quarter-final of the Champions League and there are 10 minutes left and you're trying to break the opposition down because you need a goal. And if you don't score, you're going out. You go out of the bench. And um, in recent seasons, they've not, they've not had that. And they've fallen short in the Champions League. And they've got that now because uh, they've got five strikers for two positions. So what is it? Cunha, uh, Jao Felix, Griezmann, Suarez and, and, um, and Correa. So regardless of whether Griezmann starts, and I imagine he will do, or whether he's the, the, the impact player that, that, that gets them out of a hole in the last 20 minutes of a Champions League semi-final. So I think it, it shows the ambition that they want to do, um, the one thing left to do in terms of what Simeone's achieved there, which is to win the Champions League. I think it's a great signing for them. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how the, 
world's most defensive coach deals with the most attacking squad in European football, or one of them anyway. But um, I think it's a fantastic move. I thought it was, we thought it was going to happen earlier in the summer, didn't we? With with Saul, everyone had agreed on that. Saul was happy to go to Barca, um, and that ultimately fell down because Barcelona refused to pay part of um, of Griezmann's wages and. This deal means that they don't have to do that. Atletico uh, pick up the, the the full tab. I don't think he's not going to be paid 17 million euros net, which is which is what he's been paid at Barca. It's going to be, I think, closer to to 10. I think I've seen. But um, it's great for him. It's great for Atletico Madrid. And although I don't think he underperformed at Barca anywhere near to the degree people say. I don't necessarily think it, I don't think it's that bad news for Barca anyway because it was it reached the point where I was at the game I was at his last game on Sunday against Hitafe and um, Barca were pretty awful apart from a great first half hour but Griezmann was getting all the whistles so you know we'd, we'd already reached the point of no return really um, so I think everyone's a winner Okay, you mentioned the wages, the wages side of it there. Um, Graham, this is a player signed a couple of years ago for 120 million euro. Included in this loan agreement is a buy option at 40. By my reckoning, he is under contract for another two years uh, with a, another option beyond that. What does this deal look like from Barcelona's side? Was it all about getting one of their biggest wages off the books? Well, well. First of all, um, I hate in this this first of the new season to be calling issue. But first of all, we missed the opportunity to point out to all socios that we Roberto's dog is named after Gennaro Gattuso, which I think is a starter. And Pete closed on on an Earl Brown hot chocolate reference, and you just let it walk past you. Look, um, for for Barcelona, first of all. You know, Pete summed up one of the cornerstones of this that not to uh, ignore what, what Robert asked, but the, the situation was broken. And I think that getting Griezmann um, out was imperative for both parties because he'd lost all self-belief, all confidence, all the chutzpah, all the fizz that, that turns him from a busy player into an exceptional player. And given Barcelona's overstaffing, they call it in Spain overbooking. You know, they have too many players. Um, it might be that they don't have sufficient world-class players, but in terms of numbers, the squad's massively too big. In terms of having a Griezmann on that wage, who'd lost faith in the club, who... I mean, if again, <clears throat> to answer your question, Neil, and Robert, Robert's question, if you if you don't simply look at the prism of you know, what does it mean instantly now? And look back at, I was fortunate to, to get a, a Champions Magazine interview with Griezmann relatively early in his first season. And he was unequivocal, as he had been. There was no exclusive nature of this. He, he'd said in his presentation, he, he hadn't come to assuage the guilt of missing a penalty in Milan in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. He, he hadn't come to rack up massive trophies and in setting up the player agency that he's got um, you know he's, he's he's told people in his agency like I've got more money than I, I could ever need he's he's not an avaricious guy each of us if we're getting offered you know 17 million instead of three almost all of us are going to take it maybe do something good with it 
But money is not his driver. And therefore, when he's, he said clearly that his motivation for coming to Barcelona, and this was specific, was to learn a new brand of football, to see if he could master the Barca way of playing and whether he could become a better player for it. He wanted to challenge himself. And it doesn't exist. You know, one of the, the principal things about the last three, four years at Barcelona is that even with the resurrection of Sergio Busquets under Koeman last season, it's, it's not a particularly Barcelona style of play compared to what he was dreaming of. There are remnants, but those remnants diminish um, each year, diminish further without Messi. And Griezmann came back and was patently uh, lost, a lost soul. Now, I don't want anybody to take out like their, their, their pocket violins and, and play a sad song for him because I think Robert asked you about Barcelona's perspective. It's great business for there to be more clarity about um, what their strike force is, how it's going to play, what it'll be like positionally. Robert needs to take into account, as do all socios, that they've still got Kun Aguero, who could be who could be a league winner for Barcelona if right now he's disenchanted, he's injured, um, as ever, he's not particularly svelte at this stage of his life. But there is a scenario whereby, never mind Luke de Jong, Kun Aguero, if he's persuaded that this is a potentially winning team, and if if rather than leaving uh, and rather than Barcelona shifting him out in the in the January window. He says, I'm going to give this a season. His, his goal-scoring prowess, particularly in, in chances created for him rather than chances just to create himself, because Barcelona are, are getting close to the goal quite regularly across the three games and then often failing to convert. You know, if, if Griezmann had stayed and they had Griezmann not knowing where he was playing or really not knowing what he was doing, there's been... Ups and downs, and I don't mean an outright fallout, but Koeman is, Koeman is, is a fan of Griezmann, the person, but not a particular fan of Griezmann, the player. It's something that Griezmann knows, has, has caught. You know, there was, an, there was an occasion when they were playing away and um, Koeman, it was, it, was, it was actually in Paris, Koeman was caught on mic turning to his, his bench and saying, there's, there's Griezmann again, running around doing nothing. Things like that get back to you, they corrode your confidence. So in a financial sense, it's good for Barcelona that, that Griezmann is, is partially off the wage bill. Um, I echo Pete's enthusiasm about what Letty are potentially able to do. Their squad looks gorgeous. There'll be a bit of rehabilitation. Simeone and Griezmann were in constant contact. Simeone was like in WhatsApp phone contact with Griezmann throughout his time. At um, at Barcelona, and indeed, it was Simeone's wife who, who messaged Griezmann to say the deal's gone through because it was you know it was so close to the wire. It was it was actually after midnight. They were given a little bit of added on time to do the, the all those deals that that fell into place. With Saul was the one that had to happen. I'm not sure if Chelsea were slow or they were olympically quick, but that one had to happen first. Then Griezmann had to happen, and then Luke de Jong had to happen. That was a lot of paperwork, and and all the clubs involved, four clubs, were given just a little bit of extra time, and and fair fucks to them. So, um, for my money, it, it is good. But there'll be a there'll be a where does Griezmann fit? There'll be an equilibrium to seek. There'll be a there'll be a blast of Professor um, Ortega, the the 
uh, for my taste, a highly unusual um, athletic fitness man who's a guru at the club. And, and Griezmann has got to be put through those paces. And then I would say in, in three, four, five games' time, we need to be reconvening and saying, where does he fit? Does the partnership he worked out with Suarez transfer from Barca time? You, you'd have thought that that's a plus. Griezmann's playing relationship with Lamar, which was stunted after a year at Atleti, given how well Lamar is playing. But Lamar and Griezmann get on very well, like playing together. So there's lots of little additional positives. It's 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 the right move. It's very exciting. It, it just it's a damn shame for for everybody who loves watching football. Not not Barca fans, just people who enjoy, you know, seeing a good player flourish. That he didn't quite he didn't quite hit his potential. Griezmann at Barca. Andrew Pod has a related question. Hello, Andrew. I think this might be the first time we've heard from you. How close to the precipice are Barca, really? The Griezmann deal smacks to me of pure desperation, particularly considering the replacement is Luke de Jong, who you've already mentioned there, Graham. Should the fans be expecting more high-profile departures over the next few years? Also, what is the situation now with the TV deal? So I think Andrew's interested in um, what this sort of tells us about the ongoing sort of fiscal disaster unfolding at Football Club Barcelona. I suppose we also have to look at the senior players that have agreed to very substantial pay cuts sort of led by Gerard Piquet and then followed on by um, Alba and Busquets. Andrew, the, the fact is that um, their financial situation is, is absolutely desperate. Um, it, it, I think it's worse than it looks because if you, if you just use the evidence of your own eyes, the stadium's still there. They, they play games every week. They look the same. You know, there's a certain degree of threat when they play well. Um, you know, fans are back. You can still buy merchandising. You know, the club website still works. And if, if we're used to companies that go to the wall, you can see the, you can see the death rattle and, and you can hear it and you can see massive redundancies and profit warnings and, and all that stuff. You don't see that with bus owner. What um, we're dealing with people... Um, within the club about a potential film project and, and the message is it's far, far worse than people are generally understanding. Um, it's deeply threatening and Neil's given you, Andrew, some of the positives there and that it is, to my mind, it's utterly remarkable. I, I, I think it's probably unique as in unheard of in, in elite world football that three senior footballers have voluntarily said, here, take all this money back. Nobody should have the wool totally pulled over their eyes. Some of the money is deferred. So it's like, I won't take it now, but I will take it later. But in the case of Albert and Busquets and, and Piquet, and potentially Roberto, although he's been willing to defer some of his salary just to give Barca breathing space, but they're still negotiating about whether he'll drop money. But in, in the case of Busquets and Alba and Pika, they've given money back, voluntarily given money back, saying, right, OK, we agree you don't need to pay us X much. Now, in the case of Pique alone, the amount of money across the length of his deal could, could go higher than €20 million. Euros. Now, I, I think that is unique. So the plus side is they've had an, an enormous gesture of faith from players who are doing it not out of the goodness of their heart, but they're doing it to liberate um, money so that Barcelona can register Depay and can register Kun Aguero. And the principal thing that these three players believe in, because each of them is well over 30, each of them 
is Catalan. Each of them wants to, while they're still at Football Club Barcelona, win trophies. And they reckon that with um, all the signings on board, like Eric Garcia, who's having a rough time at the moment, Depay, who Piquet's gift of money back to Barcelona allowed to be registered in time for the game where Depay delivered the ball into Piquet's head for the opening goal of the season, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's, it, was, it was astonishing. It was Hollywood. And laterally now, with the money that Busquets and Alba have deferred and the money they've gifted back to the club, Suddenly, Cunaguero is registered in case he gets fit and wants to to play before January and and nick enough to Miami or wherever it might be. So that's the positive side. The negative side is that they've had to borrow more money, okay, on better terms. The negative side is that their their debt is is absolutely horrendous. It should be enough to, if football were a normal business, it would probably be enough to strangle you out of existence. But this is Barcelona, so Andrew. That, I'm certain you don't want a more intense and, and, and slower-paced examination of all Barcelona's finances, but I think you can take it that there will be cutbacks everywhere, that, that behind the scenes they are sweating, genuinely sweating, and they're looking desperately left, right and centre for any new inventive ways to make money, and it will occasionally look grubby and it will occasionally surprise people about what Barcelona do because their situation is so atrocious. Some of it is their own fault. Um, some of it is down to extraordinarily bad financial planning and extraordinarily bad football decisions and who to sign and for how much. But some of it is also down to a pandemic that, you know, Sod's Law, the worst thing will happen when you can least afford it to happen. Um, Pete, Andrew mentioned desperation and Graham just used the same word there. Do you think in this window that Barcelona were seen as marks by other clubs? Do you think they were they had one hand tied behind their back going into the window? Yeah, everyone knew that everything that they did in the market had to be for for, for a net gain. Uh, the players that they brought in had to be um, earning less and costing less than the players that they were getting rid of. And um, we'll get on to Jao Felix in a moment and why that could never really happen. I think that was one of the reasons. Barca can't. They, they've said that they won't be sorted out in terms of having a normal transfer window until 2023. So we've got the, the winter window uh, next summer um, and then let's see what they can do in the January of 2023 or whether, whether it goes through to the summer. Um, so this is a long-term thing. Their wage bill is still um, between 80 and 85% of revenue and it needs to be between 65 and 70%. Uh, even when they got rid of Messi, it, it only went down to 95%, and now they've got rid of Griezmann. Um, to what extent is completely off the wage bill? I, I'm not sure. And, and I said right at the start of this that 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 he was he was off the wage bill, and that's now Atletico's responsibility. Graham then seemed to hint that maybe that's not the case. But regardless, um, it makes you wonder why Joan Laporta ever thought that Messi could be given a new contract. If having got rid of Griezmann and having got rid of of, um, of Messi, the wage bill is still eighty five percent. I've heard eighty five percent. I've heard eighty. I've heard eighty percent. Either way, it's, it's catastrophic. Um, they um, there were a club that, that Graham talks about the pandemic, but uh, Barcelona are, are responsible in as much as they always went right to the limit. And Tebez has said this. He said every club has its, its limit of what it can spend. And Barcelona were the only club going to the absolute 
limit. And Barton Mayo, if you remember, um, I'm sure Andrew remembers, um, made a big song and dance about the fact that Barcelona were the first club to break through the one billion uh, for revenue. Um, and he loved the big announcement, Barton Mayo. I mean, he, there was a cheat in that anyway, because they included in that figure... Um, projected money that would, would would come in from sales that they then weren't able to do, um, but um, so it's not going to get any better anytime soon. And um, losing Messi, obviously they had to do it, but it also creates a problem. The, the shirt sponsorship um, deal comes up for renew, I think next year after this season. How how keen will Rakuten be? Um, post Messi to, to, to put the same money on the table uh, Messi's final years would have been so lucrative everyone would have wanted to have seen Messi's last two seasons Messi's last Champions League campaign Messi's last uh, league game um, and once um, football tourism gets back to normal then you know they could have filled two camp news with people just wanting to see Messi before he retires so they've completely missed out on that and that's not necessarily Laporte's fault if, if he was in a situation which was which you, which you just couldn't get out of, but so having the fact that he's gone obviously eases them in terms of the wage bill, but it also takes away a big chunk of of how they can make more money in the, in these next two or three years. Um, so they're in a bad way. They're going to have to go back to to the Cantera. I think it's the perfect time to turn to Chavi. I really do. I think you bring in Chavi now and say, listen, there's no there's no pressure to win things. We've got to finish in the Champions League places for financial reasons. But no one's expecting uh, a European Cup again anytime soon. You come in, you start from, you, you, you put the kids in, it's going to take time, but you make it work over a long period of time. On that, on that point, I, you know, you've just, I can't hold back. Do you know, like, this was the time for Xavi, partly because Laporta made it clear that Cumin wasn't his taste. Instead of saying to Cumin, you're, you're carrying on, whatever. He said, let me cast around. Let me have a little look. Didn't phone Chabi. Now, players noticed that. And, and as much as Koeman made a difference last season, there were parts of the season, particularly the latter part of the season, where the players were like, what's, what's he doing here? Now, you've, you've dealt with enough players to know it's, it's, it's a shark pond. And the first bumpy weather that comes along this season, where players consciously or subconsciously go, you know, Koeman isn't, isn't fancied by Laporta. That's that's a death rattle for us for a training ground. And what came out yesterday totally reinforces what you're saying there, Graham, because um, Barca needed a, a good some good news yesterday because of course it was the day after the window had shut. They hadn't had a good window, um, so the two 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 news stories came out. One was that Ansu Fati is going to wear the number ten, and the other one was that that, that um, Laporta and Koeman are already talking about um, a um, an extension of his contract, but with certain conditions he's got to win things he's got to play the Barca style and he's got to inco- he's got to start playing Ricky Pudge and, and Samuel Mtiti um, so in terms of undermining him you know it was um, it was 10 out of 10 um, and for it to come out yesterday to me we're right at the start of the season for that to come out is an indication that Laporte has already got one eye on turning to someone else Jordi Kroos now installed in the club 
Um, what's it? What's perfect, his perfect title? Perfect comic. Global. It, it, I think if you the Catalan is difficult for you and I, but the best I can get is, is manager in waiting for the Catalan title. I, I, I don't know if that's a literal. Yeah, you, you perfect so, comic. So Kuman's on shaky ground. Yeah, borrowed time. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with the side of the Griezmann deal that actually didn't happen. Ciao, Felix. After this. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. We're back. Um, Meryn Myrtle doesn't get in touch that often, but when she does, the questions are fantastic. Can you give us a play-by-play, imaginary or factual, of Atletico's offices when Barca asked for João Felix on loan? Fantastic question, Meryn, yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine it started off with... Um, I imagine it started off with... Um, Atletico on the phone again! <laughs> no, the other way around, wasn't it? Barca are on the phone again. What do they want? They, talk, they want Jao Felix again. Well, tell them what you told them three weeks ago. Because this is, this is not something that transpired on the last day of the window. Um, right from the get-go, at the end of last season, it was clear that um, Griezmann had had enough um, and that Barcelona were going to try and, try and cash in on him. Um, and when I say Griezmann had enough, he only wanted to go one place. He only wanted to go back to Atletico Madrid. Um, now, um, post-window closing, um, it's been said that the only thing that stopped the Jao Felix um, Griezmann swap happening was that um, uh, Miguel Angel Gil um, was worried that um, Barca would do to Atleti what Atleti did to Barca the previous season, and Jao Felix would go there and he'd and he'd and he'd, and he'd bring about a title win. I'm not sure I'm buying that one. Um, I think I think it's more detailed than that. I think it's it's more complicated than that. And I think it probably comes down to the fact that um, it would have cost Barcelona too much money because Jao Felix is 21 years old, <clears throat> Griezmann's 29. Jao Felix cost 121 120 million euros, um, and whilst Griezmann's on 17 million and Jao Felix is on 7 million, I think Atleti would have wanted. Um, their pound of flesh from Barca and I'm not sure Barca could have done it and obviously Barca have ended up with the much cheaper option of, um, of, of, of Griezmann going out and, and Saul uh, not Saul uh, uh, Luke de Jong coming in so I think it was about the, the Barca being unable to make that to make that work um, rather than just um, um, Hill uh, terrified that Jao Felix would go to the Camp Nou and score 30 goals and, and Barca would win the league I think Marin's Meryn's Meryn's point nearly is is great because initially I think there would have been like a degree of hysterical laughter. But um 
after which they'll have, because Atleti will have looked at this and thought, well, so Mendes is, 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 has been consulted on this because Barca will have tested out the water about like, you know, would your client, blah, blah, blah. For Mendes, there's a big advantage. It, it felt to me a little bit, and, I, and I'm guessing Atleti reacted this way, Marin, that when, when Laporta first came to power, he was nowhere in the, in, the, in the election race back in 2003 until they did this brilliant set play which involved Manchester United and Peter Kenyon. And they agreed that Barcelona would say, we will offer you whatever Beckham went to Real Madrid for, let's say it's £70 million. Pounds. Let's, let's just pluck that figure, because I don't remember the exact figure. And we will agree that transfer. We will agree that Barcelona to Manchester United, that we will equal or better Real Madrid's price if you will announce formally that you've accepted Barcelona's bid for David Beckham. And they did. And everybody without exception, knew that unless Real Madrid, you know, did something outrageous, Beckham was always going to Real Madrid. It was verbally agreed. He wanted to go to Real Madrid. He wanted to be a Galactico. It was his preference to go there. And even at the the Laporta press conference to announce it, when Sandro Rosé, his vice president then, was asked about it, he smirked about like Somebody said, look, is this not just a little bit of razzmatazzing? He couldn't keep the subconscious smirk off his... He was a smirker, was he? And it, that, it was an admission. It was just a little manoeuvre, a clever manoeuvre, which, of course, the, the, the punters who had votes went, whoa, hallelujah, we're, we're suddenly going to be... They were in the middle of a six-year run without trophies. Beckham's coming. We're, we're, we're a player again. Vote for Laporta. Now, Mendes, in, in the Joe Felix thing here, from my taste, the, the deal is, it, it's a shot across the bows of Atleti saying, well, if this guy doesn't play in this crowded squad, if, if this guy isn't, you know, Simeone's first choice, there are clubs that want him, they're going to come in and, and, and the low ball offer was never going to be accepted. This, this, you know, idea that they would just get rid of Felix for Joe Felix for a year or longer with either a loan or a loan with option to buy Aleti have still at the moment, maybe not Cholo, but Aleti have got too much invested in him. They want the idea of this guy blossoming for them and becoming a, a little prince of the park. They, they're still tied to it. I, I personally don't think it's going to happen. I personally don't think that Joao Felix is as much of a player as people think he's going to become. We, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. But there's an awful lot of tactics involved. So the in, initial mocking of bus on an hysterical laughter for their, their Hail Mary question will have transformed into okay there's a there's a play going on here there's a gambit going on here no way on earth will that gambit have forced either um, Gil or Cerezo to say to Cholo Simeone well you better get that boy in your team because Simeone earns them their money Simeone transfers them through the, the latter stages of the Champions League and they rake in 80, 90, 100 million and and that's why he's got the most ridiculous um, salary. That's why he can more or less do what he wants because he's, he has he's, his efforts, what he achieves for the club each season has kept Atleti afloat. And therefore, Joe Felix will play as and when Cholo Simeone thinks it's right. But there was a game going on there. So Harrison Schuller, um asks about Felix. He says, what have you guys made of Joe Felix in his time at Atletico? The move never made sense to me. Now with Griezmann back, his minutes seem even more limited. Why are they keeping Felix? Has his value dropped so much that sale, an outright sale, would be too significant a financial 
hit. So you started to talk about it there, Graham. It seems like it's up for debate whether Atleti's big bet, and it was a really big bet at the time on João Felix, is going to ever pay off or not. Um, I'm inclined to agree with Graham. It's hard to see exactly what Atleti saw in him to pay 120 million euros, if that's what they did pay for him. Um, the first season was a power play, was a, was a power struggle really between him and Simeone. I think he came in thinking, you know, this guy's not going to be around that much longer. Um, I'm the biggest signing in the club's history. Um, I'm going to end up being the most important player in this part in this in this relationship, and this relationship might be a short one. Um, now, Simeone, Simeone obviously then went on and won the league. He's there for good. He's entrenched. Um, and Joe Felix played a very secondary part, um, a bit part in last season's league win. Um, you know, he's barely used in Correa and Suarez got the goals in, in the final game against Valladolid, the one in the league. And those were the two forwards that, Simeone, that got Atleti over the line. So there's a game against um, Granada in that first season where... Um, he's come off the bench, Jal Felix, and he wants to play through the middle. There's a, there's a hoo-ha going on that he's not happy about being played wide. And he comes on and he plays through the middle. Simeone, five minutes later, makes another substitution and someone comes on and has to play through the middle. And he's trying to get the message across to Jal Felix that Jal Felix now needs to move into a wide position. Simeone's barking this from the technical area. Everyone inside the stadium, if they're away, I think they're away at Granada. Everyone inside the stadium can hear this. The only player on the pitch who can't hear it is Jal Felix. He refuses to move back into his, into this wide position. He keeps playing through the middle and in the end, another player has to tell him. So they, they don't get on. There, there's, um, there is a, you know, what is that line? What we have here is a, is a lack of communication or a failure to communicate. Uh, I mean, it is that. Um, Shitting on goal, uh, boss. Um, so... Uh, and, and it is difficult to see how it how it how it how it changes. The only thing you, that you can say in favour of it turning out okay in the end is the fact that Jao Felix is twenty one years old. I mean, Simeone did take Griezmann, who was a young, flaky winger from Real Sociedad, and turn him into a all round striker. Who but could but your exact PK. point was um, Griezmann was willing to to to, to exactly. bend to listen the, to develop, and, yeah. and Jao Felix he's waiting for his boiled eggs in the post. Exactly, the personality of Griezmann and the personality of Joe Felix not the same. Um, Atleti never get mugged, very rarely get mugged in the transfer market. They're the kings of selling someone to Chelsea for forty million and buying him back two years later when he's still got a little bit left in him for ten million. They, they don't get done, and to sell uh, to to move Joe Felix on now they would get done because no one in the world's going to pay one hundred and twenty million euros, not even a third of that price probably. I so think the, I think to come back as well, <clears throat> I, I don't want to <clears throat> sort of overemphasize what I was saying before, but. <clears throat> listening to, to you has, has made it clearer to me I, I, I'd ask the same question in which way does Joe Felix fit in, in Ronald Koeman's plan or, or the overbooking about creative players up front for football club Barcelona given their, their structure I, I think the whole thing w- w- was a game and Koeman wasn't behind it and, and, and Koeman was the one at the end of the market making Luke de Jong a really interesting signing Koeman was the one saying get me that player Barca coaches don't often get that privilege. If you remember way back, Cruyff said, I, I want Jan Molby, and the president told him, well, that, it's on you. If, if you buy a Molby, who I don't approve of, if you get that, the word on that and he fails, you're sacked. But Barca coaches rarely, uh, I mean, across the, you know, the, the last 40, 50 years, rarely get there. It's a president signing or a director of football signing. And that's why De Jong is interesting to me because it was Koeman saying, give me De Jong, this will work. 
But how does Jacques Felix fit in 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 Cummins' scheme in the personnel in the four three three that he's going for in the in the three five two or maybe, but if he if he isn't smelling the coffee now at Letty, then when when will he? Because I I I he's he, I mean I I don't know if you two agree, Neil Pete, but I'm not comparing him to the class of Raquel me. But he's like Raquel me in, in, in the play, play the game to me, through me, at my speed, and everything will be well. Now, I'm not certain Jean Felix has got the right to demand that, but that's his attitude, that's his belief. Give it to me, no, give it to me here. And like you said about the Granada game, I, I, this is where I should be. Never mind instructions, but he, he doesn't fit in the concept of that team, that manager, in any way right now. No, and what you have to do under Simeone is you have to be you have to be able to play in two or three positions. Carrasco already this season in one game has played in three positions. He started the game up front. He went and played out in midfield, and he ended up as a wing back. So, Joe uh, Felix saying, "No, I can only do this. I can't do that." You know, the work to rule is just not going to work with uh, Simeone. Um, and how would he have fitted in at Barcelona? We still don't know what he is. What would he have been at Barcelona? Um, you know, would he has he got the the you know that acceleration to, to to play as one of the wide players in the front three. Uh, has he got the work rate to play in the middle three? You would have said no. You would think no. It's going to be interesting this season. Now that he's got five strikers, Simeone, and he's going to stick with this. Let's call it three-five-two. Um, he's maybe thinking that, that some of his strikers will be able to play in the midfield three. So maybe Griezmann, maybe Jao Felix, maybe uh, Mateus Cunha. And Correa gets you know kicked to play wherever 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 Simeone feels. So maybe maybe Correa as well. So you know how he develops this season, uh, Letty, and if he becomes someone who can play in that three, the way that Lamar is doing so brilliantly, and the way that Llorente does as well. But um, I mean, we were all we'd all given up on Lamar. Let's face it. So there is something about Simeone and his and his um, and El Profe alongside him. Um, Getting the best out of players and, and and transforming them. So, but it's got a hell of a job on to transform Joe Felix. Pete, you talked about Atleti um, becoming expert in in coming out of these deals up. So, just to close this episode, um, our sponsors Bet Three Six Five ask what Chelsea fans can expect from Saul, a player who Atleti were happy to let go first as a possible make way in the Griezmann deal and, and then eventually on the loan move to Chelsea. And secondly, they also resisted Manchester United's many advances for Kieran Trippier. So I don't know which of those two um, moves you want to start with. Let, let me let me, let me me button, Neil, because um, I, I'm increasingly one of the few sceptics, not saying it's about Saul and Pete knows him, him better. And on the United side, I can tell you factually that um, Trippier was somebody that United tried and tried and tried to get and their calculations were well, we'll look at his age um, he, he'd like to come to us so let's not talk about tapping up they knew that, that Trippier wanted to play for United fact um, they also calculated that this was his last year of contract what they found when they went in were two things that were that became fundamental one was that in his contract, if he plays a set number of games, which I think is 25 this season, there's an automatic renewal. So Atleti were treating this like a player still who still had two years. There wasn't this, we lose him for free at the end of this season. Now, I pray 
firmly because he's a big favourite of mine that no injury robs him of those appearances. Cholo Simeone will not only make sure that arithmetically he gets those appearances, he's a key player. But Atleti then quoted um, United a relentlessly, what United told me was an astronomical price, which was basically, fuck off, no, just no. If you want to pay quadruple what he's worth, if you're mad enough to come in and pay a literally gigantic sum, then calling on Pete's logic, you know, we're a letty, we, we never lose. So I thought that was tremendously um, smart positioning in that just to simply say no might have denied them the bonanza of all bonanzas. But they, they, they wanted Trippier badly united. Trippier was willing and happy to come. And if you looked at his face when he came on um, at, uh, I think at the weekend in the last game, may, it might have been the Elche game. No, it was the last game. And his, 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 well, the last time he came on as a sub, his face was like chewing a wasp. You've kept me here. I had a massive move. I had a wage boost coming um, at a time when United genuinely looked like contenders for honours. In my book, I think they're, although they're, the lowest favourite of four for the title. I, I I think they're good dark horses for the Premier League title. Um, and yet, I, you know, I haven't started here. Get me on. And um, so I think what, what we have to come away from this is that in whatever formation, and Pete talked about, like, is it still three at the back, which at the moment it unequivocally is, is it three, four, three? Could we possibly, at any rate, Simeone sees Trippier in every aspect, how he trains, how he performs, his delivery of crosses, how much more adept he is at defending, his relentless running. All these things, leadership, winning attitude, he, he, Cholo Simeone regards Trippier as fundamental to winning more trophies this season. Yeah, he was so important last season, wasn't he? And and he's pr- he's probably not really been given the credit he deserves. Certainly not in England. Agreed. Because Agreed. you know, yeah, David Beckham turned up in Spain, and it took him three seasons, was it, to win to win the league, or did he even do it in his fourth season? Trippier comes in. Um, he's a league winner, and he was and he was so important to them last season. And, and their worst, their blip came when he when he wasn't available, and that that's no that's no coincidence. I think Atleti have, have have taken on board the fact that he he's not he's not going to be staying long term, and they're already looking at um, um, Zeki Selic, who's uh, I think twenty one years old, Leo right back. So they're already planning for for what I think is an inevitable return to the Premier League, but. Not going to happen this season. And as for Saul at Chelsea, I think the best the best thing about Saul um, from Chelsea's point of view is that he's so desperate to to prove that um, you know he shouldn't have been pushed around from pillar to post at Atletico, Atletico Madrid, and he shouldn't have just been the guy who plays at full back and then plays at, at wing back. Um, and the midfielders that were getting in the team ahead of him weren't better than him. And Simeone should have um, should have built the, the midfield around him. And with all that desire to, to prove people wrong we saw what it did last season for Luis Suarez at Atletico Madrid so hopefully for, from Saul's, Saul's point of view um, it, will, it, will have, it will have the same effect for him at uh, Chelsea I, I, I don't want to predict stormy weather um, because I, I, I haven't enjoyed like last season I didn't enjoy Saul's performances at all 
And and that may be because he was sick and fed up with being played out of position. And you know, Pete, that over the last couple of summers, few summers, there's been pretty intense efforts from his representatives to see if he could be placed in England. This is the accumulation of a long, long process. And maybe he just got up to, to here and, and even while winning the title. And, and, you know, he said that he couldn't stay at Atleti and much though he's respected because... I, I couldn't stand another season like two seasons ago or last season. Okay, fair enough. Maybe what I was being critical of and not enjoying was the fact that he was just up to his, you know, his neck. We just had enough of it. Okay, fine. But one of the things I'd say is it's it's he's going to an extremely different environment at Cobham. Tuchel at the moment is riding the crest of the wave because what he did in in the transformation of the system. The performance, the stinginess of Chelsea, lifting the big trophy at the end of the season, his the love affair is a massive love affair between, you know, the British media in general and Tuchel because he's extraordinarily charismatic and articulate and flamboyant when you're when you're broadcasting him, when you're talking to him. All these things make a pretty sexy um, package. But he's a hard, harsh man. He has favourites. He's very, very um, unworried about standing on people's toes on a on a daily basis. Now, that might remind you of a lot of great managers, but people don't really understand the Simeone environment. I mean, if you're out with him, fine, you're out. The Simeone environment is much more paternal. It's much more collegiate. There are things that are, are do not cross this line with Cholo Simeone. But, but the atmosphere and the daily work atmosphere, his interaction with players is much more involved and, and warm. And it's not like that with, with Tuchel. And, and therefore, I'm not seeing you know, bad weather ahead for sure. But Saul is sparky and individualistic. And um, not an imp, but, but definitely a live wire personality. So it has to click. And maybe it clicks. And, and the two of them are absolute dynamite and it's splitting the atom for Tuchel and Saul. But it, it's just worth it's just worth watching um, because where he plays in that team, how often he plays, Tuchel, Tuchel is not likely to say to, him, say to him, yeah, super, left midfield, super. <laughs> My cunning plan is left wing back. I'm not saying that's going on. But, but Tuchel recently played Pulisic at left wing back and Hudson-Odoi at right wing back. He's, he's not immune to going, your players are playing exactly where I want you to and bollocks to you if you've got a complaint about it. So I hope for Saul's sake that um, another player that Manchester United wanted, inquired about, asked their Spanish players, what's he like? Should, should we be getting into him? They got positive answers back, but they didn't do the deal. So I, I really, really hope that there's a click between Saul and what he's always dreamed of, the Premier League tempo and a clip between Saul and Tuchel so that we see this guy who at that this age, if he's renewed under Tuchel, he, he can be an, an, an enormous asset to the Spanish national team. An enormous asset. So fingers flipping crossed. <laughs> that does it for part one of the Q&A. We'll be back tomorrow with more of your questions on what happened in Spain during the window out with the Antoine Griezmann deal. For now, thank you very much for listening. Socios, thank you very much for some excellent questions. There'll be much more soon.